In this episode of The Full Nerd, we talk with Intel about what the AI future holds. Welcome to this special edition of The Full Nerd. I am the fill-in host, Adam Patrick Murray. Uh, I have my other uh, PC World member, uh, Mark Hawkman, with me on the line. Hello, Mark. Hi, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a very special guest on the line. This is uh, Robert Halleck, the Senior Director of Technical Marketing at Intel. Hello, Robert. Hello. Good to be here. Uh, Robert, my first question real quick, uh, just to kind of get started. Uh, recently, did you have to go through your wardrobe and change everything from, <laughs> from red to blue? What, what kind of uh, process was that like? I, I don't know if I'm going to. like. <laughs> uh, I have an AMD backpack that I like very much. It's a... Uh, it's a Timbuktu backpack, and let's just say uh, a logo had to change because uh, I don't want to get rid of that backpack. <laughs> All right, good backpack, but we're, we're yeah. here to talk about AI, and this is this is applicable to everyone, but especially Intel, uh, both Mark and I, and actually, Robert, you were at uh, Innovation uh, a couple days ago and uh, saw some, some good stuff. So I guess kind of from a high level real quick, Robert, uh, you know, tell tell the audience what, what is going on with Intel and AI well, it's, it's both a new story and an old story. Uh, Intel has actually been doing AI acceleration of some kind since 2016 uh, with the addition of AVX 512 instructions to the CPU for BFloat 16 and VNNI. Um, and Intel has had AI presence in server for quite some time. But the, the new stuff is that we're bringing an AI accelerator, a dedicated one, to the client space, the CPU space. And that's the Intel Core Ultra product. It has a dedicated AI accelerator on board, new mobile CPU, and eventually we want to take that technology to the whole stack over the next two years. Hmm. Okay, uh, Mark, I know you have some some specific questions because you, yeah. you you got yeah, to see some it. of this at the uh, right at, 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 in Malaysia at the the tech tour. Right, and I think one of the things that uh, you know that we are trying to get to, maybe not today, but certainly in the future, uh, is just to sort of explain to people who are familiar with how a CPU works and a GPU works, and some of the factors that go into deciding what makes a good CPU. We're talking about thread counts, core counts, E cores, P cores, you know, clock speeds, and so forth. How does that translate into this new world of NPUs? Because for a lot of people, me included. NPUs are sort of an unfamiliar subject, and it would be nice to sort of start at least getting our hands on around about, okay, what is going on in NPUs now, maybe from a conceptual, a little bit of an architectural standpoint, and where are we going in the future? And I know in, obviously, as you mentioned, first NPUs in Meteor Lake and uh, in your Malaysia conference, you talked a little bit conceptually about just what it is and what it looks like. We don't have to go down into the deep nitty-gritty here, but on the very basic side of things, you've got sort of this uh, dual... uh, neural compute engine, which, you know, for somebody who is familiar with CPUs, they ah, it's a dual core. Uh, it can run things in parallel. I'm not sure if that's right. Can you give us a little bit of a sense about how it works and how it's going to process AI instructions and what those are? Uh, at, at the risk of, like, a gross simplification. Please, uh, grossly simplified <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> actually, a GPU is the most instructive frame of reference, right? Okay. You have a large vector engine uh, that is duplicated over and over and over to add performance or take away performance. And the secret sauce is in how 
uh, how efficient those vector engines are and how well they're scheduled, how efficiently you can utilize the pipeline. So it's actually just very GPU-like uh, in, in terms of performance and how users should think about it. But the real measurement is uh, how close can you get to the peak rating uh, when I give you a paper spec, right? We know from GPUs that teraflop doesn't always mean everything, right? You can have faster and slower and the slower one can win. Uh, and so efficiency of that engine, what you build around the arrays and how efficient they are, that's that's the key. That's the story. But think GPU. Okay. So what numbers are we thinking about here? You mentioned teraflops. Is that the number that's going to sort of uh, guide NPU performance? Teraops or teraops is tops, the okay. uh, is the measurement for an AI engine. But you know, again, I want to really caution that what's on paper is only part of the story. It's how close can you get to what's on paper, uh, or can you even run it at all? <laughs> That's software is a big, big, big part of this, as we know from graphics. Now, well, go ahead, Aaron. I was just, just going to ask that. Like, do do you think we can get to a point where we can just run a, a tool like Cinebench and be like, oh, okay, well, this this bar is bigger than the other one, then this this NPU is going to be better than the other one? Uh, certainly, there there are efforts in that space, right? Uh, I call it the the Cinebench of AI, right? Um, but what's what's interesting about AI, like graphics, is there are multiple APIs. Uh, you know, you've got DirectX 12, you've got Vulkan in graphics, you've got DX11, DX9. Um, frameworks in AI kind of play the same role. What framework are you using to build that software? And does that framework run equally well on all the NPUs you're testing? Uh, so that's when I say software is really important. Uh, getting all of those frameworks running performantly is a, a big lift. It takes manpower, it takes money. Um, and then what are you measuring? What what workload are you putting through the framework? Is it generative language, generative art? Is it video stuff? There's lots of ways to skin that cat. And what model are you using? And this is all stuff we have to think about. Like it's going to be invisible to the user in the same way that graphics APIs are largely invisible to the user for GPUs. But that's the dimensionality of of how an NPU has to run and, and why software is so important. So one of the things that I'm thinking about when you're saying this is that, okay, obviously we're talking about, yes, processing those, those, the, the, that, the, those instructions. But, you know, when I've used Stable Diffusion in the past, especially in the early days, I mean, a big part of this was not only just the engine it was running on, which was, of course, like you mentioned, GPU, um, but also the video RAM attached to it. I mean, that was a really big gating factor in terms mm -hmm. of how, how many images that you could produce and so forth. Um, is it... Is it the same in MPUs? And if it is, you know, can you give us a sense for like, it, does the NPU have dedicated RAM attached to it, or does it use system memory, or how does that how does that going to work out? It's system memory and system bandwidth in the way that the GPU would use its local frame buffer. Um, okay. But you know, for a lot of these client side models that are intended to fit on uh, like a laptop or just a conventional desktop, they're they're smaller models. And, and I think about Llama 2 as a large language model, for example, that's designed for local offline usage and it's more contextual. Uh, mm -hmm. It's my language model for work or for personal correspondence, not just like ask the internet anything and get an answer. And that helps uh, fit the uh, more modest bandwidth uh, and capacity available in, in a laptop. 
So with Llama, I mean, which is uh, what uh, Meta, right? I believe that's yep. their that's and their, Microsoft, right. yeah, and Microsoft too. Okay, um, how does that differ? I mean, I, I think most people their introduction to AI is with like a Bard or a Bing Chat or something sure. of that sort. That's going into the cloud. Um, how, in terms of doing this locally? Uh, let's talk about a couple of things. So first of all, what's the advantage of doing AI locally on the CPU? Or, mm. uh, um, and then second, how is the experience of interacting with a large language module uh, model uh, going to be different than on the on the on, a, on a PC? I mean, what are, if, if there's going to be limitations versus what people are used to interacting with it in the cloud? Oh, that, that's the million dollar question, right? Uh, there's a couple of reasons why I think going offline is going to be really important. Uh, first and foremost, running a cloud scale AI engine is costly, right? It, you've seen many services move from free anybody goes to pay me $10 a month, pay me $20 a month. And it's because cloud cost has a price tag attached to it. And so uh, getting that off the cloud to local uh, substantially amortizes the cost uh, across you know x hundred million systems. Like Intel alone is going to ship a hundred million AI accelerators in PC by twenty twenty five. So that's how many cloud cycles that you don't have to spend uh, for commercial and business privacy security, keeping your proprietary information off the cloud uh, where it can be accidentally scraped by a model is huge, uh, and then. Think about large data sets, uh, especially for content creation use cases in video, uh, where you can't upload the whole project to do the AI work. It has to be local. So those are some of the compelling factors for doing AI offline. And I want to stress that it's not just the NPU that makes a good AI mm -hmm. accelerator. The GPU is very good in its own right, and you will see... All sorts of AI workloads use NPU, GPU, and CPU, sometimes simultaneously, sometimes exclusively, uh, in the same way that a PC game uses GPU and CPU. And we don't really think about where or why or how, but it's important to have both. The NPU is simply a third column of that that will handle a new type of workload that other older hardware is not as good at. Well, I thought that was a, I mean, that's the point, one of the key points that was really interesting from the, what you guys talked about in Malaysia was the fact that, you know, when we're talking about NPU, it's not just the NPU. It's talking right. about the CPU working in conjunction with the GPU working in conjunction with the NPU. And in fact, there's different approaches to that. Uh, you know, I think that you would, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the NPU is the most efficient in terms of, uh, of energy consumption. But like the fastest way of doing it was to use either, I think it was the GPU plus the NPU or just all three in, in, in conjunction. Um, which is, you know, again, a real plus in terms of actual performance. And it's going to be, I guess, kind of up to the user how they want to handle that, you know, if they want that energy efficiency or if they want to get everything done as quickly as possible. Is that right? Yeah, some, some workloads will just do it, it for you. They'll just decide based on their, their function which way to slice it, and they'll do it accordingly. Uh, and then there's other uh, workloads like uh, some of the stable diffusion implementations that you can grab. You can just pick what engine that each step of the workload runs on and is most performant if you break up kind of the setup on the CPU, the negative and positive prompts on the NPU, and the actual uh, rasterization of the final image on the GPU. So it's using all three and uh, some of them do that for you automatically and some you can choose. You can choose to do it all on the NPU if, if you wanted. Mm -hmm. 
I guess the question I have is that, like, okay, so, you know, our readers, you know it as well as they do. Um, you know, if they have a choice between a discrete GPU and an integrated GPU, they're going to take that discrete GPU every day of the week. So if they're looking at AI and they're looking at AI in the cloud, are they going to see AI in the cloud as a discrete GPU and local AI as an integrated GPU and be like, eh, I don't really want this. I want to go the good stuff. I mean, how do you convince people that what you've got on the PC is going to be sufficient for what they're going to need? I think it'll be assistive. I don't think one replaces the other ever. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that you will have an NPU for the local workloads where project size is too big to upload, where privacy is the concern. Uh, where you don't have an internet connection or the internet connection could be spotty, uh, where you don't want to leak information accidentally, and then cloud for really, really heavy lifts, right? There's no way a laptop or a desktop can compare to the scale of the cloud. So uh, farming out some of that and bringing it back is, is perfectly fine by us. And I will point out that Intel is in the cloud too, and Xeon does just fine. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So what's the killer app for AI, for local AI? I mean, is it image generation? Is it win- is it Windows? I mean, what, what's sure. going to really sell this stuff? Uh, choice is a big one, actually, which I know is a flimsy answer or wishy-washy <laughs> answer. But uh, think about our experience with CPU or GPU. We can download any application that we want. Everybody has their own preferred game. Everybody has their own preferred image editor or movie software or whatever. And the key is we've had 30 to 50 years, depending on the accelerator, to make it completely frictionless, seamless, and users don't have to think about it. That's why I keep saying software is what matters. Let me get Um, one more question, Adam, and I'll let you go. Go ahead. ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, okay, so, so... so here's the problem. I mean, you mentioned games, right? So, I mean, we've had issues with parallelism in software for years and years and years and years. I mean, we've had core, multiple cores there. Uh, we still don't take full advantage of those cores. So how is it? How are we going to take full advantage of the 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 NPU and a processor uh, when, as far as I know, I mean, that's it's not even being, being taught in, in engineering schools as yet. I mean, how, how long does that process take before we get start to see the software catch up with the hardware? Well, the good thing is that the tools that I I can, speaking only for Intel, the tools that we build to target hardware devices uh, can do write once, run anywhere, including on the NPU. So a tool like OpenVINO, you pick your your framework, uh, and we support the most of any of the players in the industry for CPU, uh, and then you pick what device you want to target. So the code you're already writing for the hardware you're already targeting, it's it's almost like just checking one more box and now you can you can target the NPU as well. And I know OpenVINO is a bit eggheaded and people mm-hmm. don't really talk about that a lot in, in the PC enthusiast space, but it is truly Intel's secret weapon here because it, it it's the most sophisticated tool, it support, supports the most hardware targets, the most frameworks, it's really, really capable. And uh, that makes a developer's life a lot easier and I think that's one of the uh, broadly, outside of the developer community, unspoken strengths of what Intel can do. And honestly, that's why I'm here. That's I, That roadmap, that that massive scale, the, the resources that Intel has, it's very effective. And when you make a transition like the NPU, scale is what wins, having the people to put on the problem. Mm-hmm. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, well, speaking of roadmap, uh, I mean, do you think, okay, you know, maybe in six months' time, it's like, okay, sweet, you know, this is all going to get figured out and people are going to know what, what you're going to do with uh, an NPU, or, or do you think it's going to take five years, or, you know, what's, what is kind of the, the roadmap where you think people are going to be like, oh, okay, this makes sense, we're, we're using it all the time and just not even thinking about it? I think it's a two- to three-year journey. I think that started last year uh, with with camera enhancements, which are a, a battery drainer on laptop. Moving that to uh, an inferencing device is a big help. Uh, this year, or I should say going into 2024, content creation is the obvious candidate there because it's highly parallelized, it's vector math, it, it runs great on a GPU, great, even better on an MPU, more efficiently, more performant. Uh, so content creation is going to be the big story, but um, office assistance is going to be massive. I cannot understate the importance of that. And uh, at Intel Innovation, for example, we showed one of our partners, Rewind.ai. Imagine being yeah. able to just like, how did I meet this person? And it will show you the context of when you talk to them, what did you talk about, brief summary, schedule a meeting, write an email. Uh, these are very mundane, boring tasks, and everybody does them. So, uh, you know, it seems uh, vanilla paste, but uh, office assistance going into 24 is going to be really huge as well. Uh, and then I think long term, pie in the sky, gaming, I hope, uh, generative language, generative voicing, procedural quest generation, uh, procedural texturing, using generative AI, like this is all possible could be very cool for immersion and replayability. So to mention in your roadmap, I mean, at, at your, your your session at Innovation, you showed a little bit about the future processes coming down the pipe with Lunar Lake and Aero Lake. Um, and some of those talked a little bit about how you're going to be taking the, the NPU forward. So it is, yeah. the NPU is on the SOC tile, one of four within Meteor Lake. Uh, you're obviously going to be pushing, I assume, each of those tiles forward on their own time frame and their own roadmaps. Can you just sort of recap a little bit what you how you see the NPU going forward on Lunar Lake and Arrow Lake? Yeah, so uh, right now Meteor Lake is, um, you know, an ultra-thin laptop CPU. And uh, as we look forward into the Lunar Lake and Arrow Lake time frame, we want to finish the rest of the segments that Meteor Lake doesn't touch. So that's uh, Enthusiast Desktop, Enthusiast Notebook, even lower power than what Meteor Lake can can touch today or will likely touch today. And that becomes a full stack of NPU acceleration across desktop, workstation, mobile, you name it, it'll be there. And and I, I believe this will broadly reflect the trends in the industry that everybody will just have an NPU and we need to work hard to make it seamless for people. And we're well down that road because Intel's been doing it since 2016. Okay. Um, one final question. I mean, I know so you, you came from uh, your former company, who was obviously uh, involved in uh, AI as well. I don't know if this is uh, an unfair question, asking you to bash your former employee, but how do you differentiate what you guys are doing versus uh, AMD and Qualcomm in terms of AI? I, I think we look at the public record. It's quite telling. Um, currently, what in terms of what's compatible for users, uh, my former... Uh, employer has committed to the Windows effects pack for uh, from Microsoft Teams, whereas by 2024, Q1 of 2024, Intel is already committing to uh, 12 or 13 different shipping applications, each with three to five AI accelerated workloads, 
there's the entire Adobe suite coming. We've got that Rewind AI software giving Office assistance. So in, in material delivery of shipping AI software, uh, Intel is stepping up in a big way. And the same, the same competitive story is playing out against Qualcomm as well. I think we're delivering really good, useful, real things. And so it's not enough to be first. You have to make it real for people. And that is what Intel is doing. And that is unfortunately uh, maybe not the case at uh, my former employer. <laughs> well, we could talk to this about this all day, but I do understand that you have a time constraint. Uh, Adam, is there any more questions on your end that you wanted to ask? No, yeah, no, no final questions on my end. I mean, okay. yeah, we, we could definitely talk more about this, but I would understand you need to run. So thank you, uh, Robert, for, for hanging out with us. I, I appreciate that. Uh, Mark, thank you for, for you know, My joining as yeah. well and asking questions. And, and hopefully, Robert, we can have you back on again uh, maybe when some, when some devices have launched and we've got, had a chance yeah. to, to play around with it and kind of further talk about the, this AI future. Oh, we've been talking for a long time, so I'm always excited to come back. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm back in the saddle. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, tune in next week uh, for a, another full episode of The Full Nerd. Uh, I'm not going to do the, the full spiel because we need to get out of here. But uh, thanks, everybody, and we will catch you in the next one. Bye.